Welcome to the PTA Elevation Podcast. Today's episode has been sponsored by the PTA Elevation Board Prep Program. If you feel lost and overwhelmed with your studying and need some extra guidance to help prepare for the exam, fill out the link in the description below to book a free call to learn more about the program. The program offers all the tools you'll need from pre-recorded videos to group and individualized coaching to help ease your anxiety when it comes to the exam. Thank you for your continued support. Now on to the show. future PTAs, I just have a quick announcement to make before we get started with today's episode. On Sunday, July 17th at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, we will be hosting a free masterclass webinar to help give students the blueprint they'll need to take all of the stress and anxiety out of board studying and provide students with the structure they'll need to absolutely crush the NPTE. Sign up for free in the link down below in the show notes. Now on to the show. What's up, everybody? Today, we're going over osteogenesis imperfecta. So this is also what's termed brittle bone disease. That's kind of if a patient comes in, they're going to be like, my kid's got brittle bone disease. They mean they have osteogenesis imperfecta. Essentially, this means that the cartilage is not synthesizing correctly during bone growth and development in utero and in early childhood, because remember, it's mostly cartilage and then all the bones start to fuse. So that's kind of what's going on with this one we are not having bones grow the way that they're supposed to. So let's kind of go over some anatomies first. So the main thing affected with osteogenesis imperfecta is the bone. Yay, (laughs) osteo bone. Um, Essentially what's happening is that collagen that is present during bone development is not happening the way that it's supposed to. So collagen synthesis is disrupted Therefore, the bones cannot grow the way that they're supposed to. It's cut down up to 50% of bone growth. So essentially thinking you need all that bone to be able to support the weight of your body. If we have like 50% less bone, we're not able to support the weight of our body. And remember our bones are used to protect our organs. Think of like our ribs and stuff like that, protect our skull, our, our brain and our skull and stuff like that. So that's why this can be so dangerous when it comes to making sure these kids aren't getting a lot of fractures. Um, and so- It's affecting the type one collagen synthesis fibers. So that's something that we need to understand what's kind of going on when it comes to uh, the bone development. Because remember, bone starts first as cartilage and then it develops into bone. So essentially what's going on with this is our foundation is not strong. So therefore, when we try to build on top of it, it's not happening. So that's what I want you guys to think of when it comes to osteogenesis imperfecta. We got bad foundation. So etiology of this. So this is an inherited disorder. like. 50% of the time. Sometimes it can be a spontaneous mutation, which causes osteogenesis imperfecto as the fetus is developing in utero. So this can be inherited though. So it's one of those things that, um, remember like cystic fibrosis can be inherited. Duchenne muscular dystrophy is inherited and stuff like that. Remember with this one, this is dependent on the typing. It could either be, it's always autosomal, could be recessive or dominant. So type one and four are autosomal dominant type two and three or autosomal recessive. So kind of making sure we're aware that this could be an autosomally inherited disorder. Um, and then the more severe types are end up being the recessive types. And that's kind of like the more common thing we see with a lot of these disorders that like more severe it is, the more likely it's recessive. Not always true. Remember Huntington's is an autosomal dominant disease. So 
just kind of remembering that for this type one and four autosomal dominant, type two and three are autosomal recessive. Again, it could be a spontaneous mutation and they'll usually be able to identify this in utero based on the way the baby's developing. I do have a picture later on in this that shows a fetus that had type two osteogenesis perfecta. That's the one that's the most severe that they end up dying in utero. You can see how deformed the baby, the baby ends up being. And then you can see how um, they are able to identify this in utero based on the characteristics of like bowed out bones and legs and just malformations in their development. So um, this is something the parents are usually aware of before they um, bring the child into this world. So what does it look like? As I was kind of mentioning before, there are four different types. Now there's actually, you go on the Osteogenesis Imperfecta website, there's like eight or nine different types. Um, but for the sake of the NPTE PTA exam, we're only going to care about the force, first four types. So if you end up working in pediatric PT, kind of understand that you're probably going to end up knowing all of them. But for right now, just take these four types, put it in your noggin for the NPTE because these are the ones the force actually cares about. So we got type one, which is the most mild form. Again, this is an autosomal dominant um, inheritance. The person's going to look relatively normal, just like you and me. Um, the only thing is up until puberty, so in their adolescent, um, well, not in their adolescent, that would be puberty, in their childhood years up to like age 12 or 13, you're going to see that this individual has very frequent fractures and bruising in general, because look at the bone bruises that eventually come up as a hematoma through the skin. Um, so you'll see this individual just constantly breaking their bones. Like they could just trip over uh, the sidewalk and break their arm or something like that. Like um, it could even be like they're running around with their friends and like they bump into like one of their friends and break their arm, something like that. That's kind of what's going on. They're just fragile. So that's the kind of thing that we want to notice with these individuals. They're just fragile. They break easily. Um, with the type one though, they have some minimal deformities. As I said before, deformities being just like that barrel kind of chest or even that triangular looking face. Um, I'll show you pictures of the triangle face. If you're listening to this on the podcast, go check out the video on YouTube. There, I got lots of pictures in here. This will be helpful. But um, these children will present with like this thing called a blue sclera. So remember the sclera is the white part of our eye. I got a picture of this later. It turns like this bluish kind of color, almost as if you got a bruise inside of your eye kind of weird looking, but that's kind of something that shows up with the type one. And then they'll also have possible hearing loss. So this is just due to the malformations of the skull itself, which is not allowing for the proper conducting of um, sound waves into through the external auditory meatus. And so we're going to have some problems with hearing loss with this individual. So minimal deformities, they'll have frequent fractures up until puberty. They're fragile. Um, they got that triangular looking face, blue square and possible hearing loss. Now let's move on to type two. So type two is the most severe form of osteogenesis imperfecta, even with the whole eight other ones or whatever, this is the most severe type. This is an autosomal recessive inheritance and these children unfortunately often die in utero, childbirth or shortly after birth. So perinatal uh, mortality rate for these individuals is very, very high. Um, this is because they have such severe fractures and deformities and frequent brain injuries that even just like think of how traumatic birth is in general. You're the baby's being squeezed through this tiny hole in the birth canal inside the pelvis. Like it's a very traumatic thing for a baby that's just no problems at all. For one that excessively like breaks their bones, literally every contraction that the mother or the um, birther is having is going to literally break their bones. So this is if they have a vaginally delivered birth this child's probably going to die during childbirth. 
Um, if they have a C-section for this individual, they're probably going to die shortly after birth. So this is a very sad situation for these parents. Um, and the doctor usually discusses options with them. Not in our pay grade. We just got to know what's going on. Understanding that um, this is something that could happen and just kind of being aware of it for, we could be training a patient who had a child who had type two and they're upset. So we just kind of kind of know it's a really traumatic thing to go through for this. So this is the most severe type, type two, and they often die close to when they're born or in utero because their bones are breaking with literally every movement that they have. Type three, on the other hand, is probably like one of the more severe versions. However, these individuals do end up living mostly into adulthood. So we're thinking of our characteristic person that has osteogenesis imperfecta. Um, this type three type is going to be awesome or recessive. Um, these are going to have really short stature. They're going to have moderate deformities. They'll have like that barrel chest kind of deformity. They'll still have the loose sclera around their eyes. They're going to have severe osteoporosis. They're going to have that triangular looking face. And you'll know what I'm talking about when I show you it, um, because we've seen um, some comedians. I forget the one guy's name. He did pass away recently, but he had osteogenesis imperfecta. You'll understand with the triangular face. And these individuals are most likely going to be using a wheelchair for community ambulation, ambulation around their home because of their deformities with their legs and everything. It makes it very difficult for them to walk. So wheelchairs, as we know before, is just a way to maximize people's level of function and keep them as independent and functional as possible. Um, so that's what the individual with type three is looking like. And the type four is essentially between type one and type three. It's like moderate levels of fragility and osteoporosis. It's an autosomal dominant inheritance. Um, the bones will tend to bow out. And this is with many of the other different types of osteogenesis imperfecta. They'll have that barrel chest. And this barrel chest is like kind of thing where it just looks like they're just like a cylinder. It's like, it's like their chest is just really wide and short. So that's kind of what it looks like. The, the opposite of a can, like a squished can, like a tuna can. Sorry for my visuals, but it's kind of like a squished and wide chest sort of thing. They might have possible hearing loss, brittle teeth. And then actually with this individual type four, their sclera look just like ours. If you see me up in the corner, more white to my eyes. It's just normal, just a normal looking kind of thing. Um, but we got to understand these individuals are still at risk for fractures. Every individual with osteogenesis imperfecta is at risk for fractures with mild interactions with other collisions and things and stuff of that nature. So I got some pictures here. So I have the blue sclera up here. So it looks like literally like their whites of their eyes are like bruised. That's kind of what it looks like. So we got to kind of understand, but that's what's going on here. I have an x-ray and this is an individual's um, forearms. So you see, they actually have like multiple fractures up here. You can see the little um, like fuzzy looking things surrounding the bones, other different fracture sites. So you can see that, I think this one's actually dislocated over here. Yeah, it looks like the radius is dislocated over here, but you can see how it all bows out like that. That's kind of what they mean by that, that bow-legged, bowed out sort of uh, presentation of their bones. That's what's going on with this individual. Now over here, you can see these two kiddos. Um, I would say they probably have osteogenesis and perfected type four or three. Um, this individual on the right probably has type uh, three. This individual might have four or three, not sure, but you can see the triangular looking face, how it kind of comes down to a triangle. You can see it more on this little boy instead of this little girl. Um, and so you can kind of see how that kind of works out, but you can see her barrel chest, how it's like short and wide. So see how her torso is like really tiny. She's like, and it's like kind of like spreads out and it's pretty wide. That's what they mean by the barrel chest, short stature. So these individuals are not very tall. Um, but that's kind of what's going on. Now, just a content warning. Next page, I do have a picture of a um, 
dead infant essentially on the next slide. So uh, this is for educational purposes only wherever this is going to be presented. So I have the different types here. So on the top left, we would have an individual who has type one osteogenesis imperfected. You can see this, this dude right here, he might have this kind of triangular looking uh, jawline face that is characteristic of osteogenesis imperfecta, but understanding that he pretty much looks just like you and me. There's really not too much that we can tell right off the bat that maybe he has this, but it looks like the dude's going into an MRI machine, so have fun with that. Um, but we can kind of see that, yes, this individual might look normal, but we have to understand this guy might have like 20% less bone density than you and me. So he is still at risk of fracture. So we don't want to do any too many high impact activities such in that nature. Um, this is the type two in the top right here. So this would be, an, so you can see that they have very severe deformities of their legs, of their feet, of their arms and everything. And you can see that their skull is deformed and squished in and changed in multiple different places. This would be the type two. This is why it's so severe. So you can see how an individual such as this would not survive very long after childbirth, especially with all the injury to their brain. You can see that their ears are all malformed and everything like that from the cartilage problems and also from the bone problems with the external auditory meatus. That's why we can see the hearing loss. So it kind of makes sense why an individual like this would not survive very long after birth. So that is the type two. Down here in the top, the bottom left corner, it's kind of a little fuzzy. I realized I kind of made it a little fuzzy, but we can kind of see this on the past one with this uh, little girl over here who has a type three osteogenesis imperfecta. You can see the triangular face, the short stature. They're in a wheelchair sort of thing. You can see it's this little girl as well. Um, and you can see like the bones are kind of a little bit deformed. Oops when it comes to her uh, arms and stuff like that. So we can sort of see that with this individual here. Um, this individual over here, and if you're listening on the podcast, just kind of listen to the keywords I'm saying, um, we can see that he's got type four. So we can see he really has that very much pronounced triangular looking face for this individual. Not so much for the type one, but the type four really does have that significant triangular looking face. And so we can see that um, we can't see much more of this individual, but just kind of understand that they're able to do many of the things that you and I do. They just might need like lobster and crutches or something like that to help them with mobility and things of that nature. Um, but relatively not super severe, just make sure still those handling techniques with the children, making sure that they're not breaking their bones, doing just playful activities with their friends. So how are we treating it? The biggest thing, and if you have zoned out at any point in listening to me talk, Please listen in right now because this is the number one most important, like scream it from the rooftops. This is the one thing you want to take away from this lecture. Patient and caregiver education on safe handling and positioning, recognizing fractures and splinting if needed. That should say splinting if needed. You want to make sure that the parents or whoever is taking care of this child recognizes that they need to be very, very, very gentle with like diaper changes, changing clothes, positioning, handling the infant, carrying the infant, moving the infant around. You need to make sure they are on the ball and understand what's going on. Cause literally you could have this baby, you've swaddled them and then you um, take the swaddle off and the baby lifts their arms up. Like we have been unswaddled, smacks their hand into the back of the um, mat or whatever they're laying on, breaks their entire wrist. That is how delicate this baby is. It could be you're lifting up their bum to put a diaper underneath. And if you set them down too quickly, you could fracture their pelvis. That is how much these little kiddos 
break their bones. So we got to make sure the parents are aware. Usually they, if they have gotten like ultrasounds in the womb and everything, they're kind of aware of what's, what's to come. Hopefully they've been educated on it or at least directed to the right resources. But you want to make sure that the patients, that once the patient's old enough to kind of be like, yo, dude, you can't be like swinging your arm around like that. You're going to break it. Make sure they're educated, but more likely the most important intervention, if the boards ask you what's the most important intervention with a kiddo who has osteogenesis imperfecta, is making sure the parents are safe positioning and handling. And it's going to be like an infant that they're asking about. They might need to learn how to splint and stuff like that to get the kid to proper care. Pool therapy is great for these people. I know there's some people who are pool therapy is contraindicated, but this is a great population to do pool therapy with um, because remember the properties of water are going to allow for less uh, pressure through weight-bearing joints and whatnot. So we can do a lot more in the pool with these kiddos than we could do on land. The kids might even be able to like kind of jump a little bit through the pool and stuff like that. With, uh, when on land, they could be fracturing themselves. So pool therapy is a great intervention. So if it's not telling you positioning and handling, pool therapy sounds like a great idea. Generally with these kiddos, you're going to do straight up pediatric PT with them. So if you haven't done any pediatric PT, um, I'm pretty rusty on it too, but kids learn through play, remembering that kids will strengthen themselves through play. So make sure the kid knows how to play safely. Remember, we're not swinging our arms at Joey when he's mad or whatever, or I guess every kid's name like Caden or Aiden nowadays, um, but making sure we're not swinging their arms around, uh, make sure strengthening is like pretty good for the kids. Nothing too crazy with the strengthening as I have here in bolded letters, no rotational forces with strengthening or long lever, lever, long lever arms with strengthening. That would mean like, think of like when we're doing um, a short arc quad versus not, not really short arc quad, like think about um, when we're doing like shoulder flexion with the dumbbells. It's a lot harder to do shoulder flexion with the dumbbells when you're all the way out here than if we put like a uh, weight right here on your arm on the top part of like your brachium and then you did some lifting it's not as hard with that so it's the same kind of thing let's say we were going to do uh, hip flexion and supine if we had the weight all the way down at our leg at the bottom of our ankle that's a lot harder than if we had the weight at the top of our thigh that's what I mean by long moment arms long lever arms whatever you want to call it biomechanically we don't want too much force because what that's doing is putting a lot of torque on the muscle and we on the bone itself, and we don't want that to break. So sorry if that was a little boring with the biomechanics, but making sure that we're not doing anything rotational or long lever arms because it's going to increase the torque too much. That's going to cause stress and possible fractures on the bone. Again, with this kiddo, we want to make sure we're training them on their mobility aids because they might be using a scooter, as we see down here. Osteogenesis imperfect is a spectrum. They could be in a wheelchair. They could be using loft-sharing crutches. They could be just using a single um, cane or something like that. We want to make sure that the kids are, are aware how to use it and the parents are aware how to use it as well. Because if the kid's really young and they need to be in a wheelchair, the parent might be the one maneuvering the wheelchair. So we want to make sure that these kiddos are well taken care of, that they know what they're doing with their mobility aids. We're not using long lever arms or uh, any sort of rotational forces. So keywords, everybody. Remember, what's our biggest keyword? Say it with me. What is our biggest thing we're doing? safe positioning and handling with this individual, educating the parents. Remember when it comes to treating any sort of kid, it is a family-centered care. So what that means is that everyone's involved, all hands on deck for treating this patient. We wanna make sure we all know what's going on and that we can all help this kiddo in the best way that we can. Um, understanding some keywords for different types. Remember type one's the least severe, very mild fractures, not too much going on. Um, looks like you or me, frequent fractures up until puberty.
Same thing applies, safe positioning and handling. Type two, most severe, this individual usually dies in utero or shortly after birth. Um, type three, this individual is probably wheelchair bound, triangle face, fairly severe deformities, um, but they're able to do most of the things that they um, are able to do. I'll put blue sclera as a bonus one on there for you guys so you understand what's going on with that. Um, type four is moderately severe. They'll have the barrel shaped chest and everything like that. They don't have the blue sclera for this individual. Um, they might need like some mobility aids, like um, crutches or something like that to be able to get around and do well. So biggest thing for all these individuals will have that very characteristic triangular face that I mentioned before. Again, if you're on the podcast right now, go on YouTube and watch it. It'll just make more sense that way. Frequent fractures are also going to be present with every individual with osteogenesis imperfecta. And this is because these individuals um, lack the cartilage growth. So their bones are very weak. Type one and type four are autosomal dominant and type two and type three are autosomal recessive. So that should be a good recap on everything going on with this individual. So let's get to our sample question. A physical therapist assistant is treating a two-month-old child diagnosed with osteogenesis imperfecta type 3. The parents are concerned that their child will never walk and lead a normal life. What should the therapist tell the parents? One, tell them they should probably start making funeral arrangements as the child will probably die in early infancy. Two, tell them that the child will have no problems and live a completely normal life. Three, refer the parents back to the pediatrician for further education. Or four, provide caregiver education on assistive devices and additional support needs the child might need in the future to maximize function. So I'm sure this isn't the question you were expecting, but I'll give you guys a second to think about it. guys so the answer is number four provide caregiver education on assistive devices and additional support needs the child may need in the future so what are these parents worried about well let's first of all look at this child's two months old okay i can see why parents are concerned about the future like this is they imagined a future for their child where they could play like football or something like that and now that's that's not possible because they'll literally like die if they get hit so we want to make sure that the parents are kind of aware realistically what's going on without like making them feel like completely morbid. Um, so this child has osteogenesis imperfecta type three. Remember, that's not the most severe type. That would be type two. Um, so this child really isn't with modern technology, modern interventions, all that stuff. They're probably not going to die in early infancy. They'll probably live well into their adulthood and live a relatively normal life with their mobility aids and whatnot. So first of all, telling a parent at any point to make funeral arrangements because their child's probably going to die, that's not nice. So I would just delete that even if it was type two. That's very inappropriate to be telling patients, parents, and um, with this individual type three, that would really not apply enough. It said type two, realistically, this child probably won't make it. But again, not our, not, not, not our business to be telling the parents that their kid's going to die. That's like really rude. Um, and also it should be a conversation that the doctor should be having with them. So number one's out of the picture. Number two, tell them that the child will have no problems and live a completely normal life. We cannot lie to our patients. Um, that is uh, not okay when it comes to us trying to explain to the patients what's going on. We want the patients to be informed. So with that being said, it, just telling them your child's gonna be completely fine, everything's all right. Relatively, this child is going to need a lot of support needs 
should be like fine and live a completely like a relatively normal life, but it's not going to be the normal life that you and I think about. They're going to have needs like support needs and whatnot, but it shouldn't hinder them from accomplishing the things that they want to accomplish. So while you could just be like, they'll be fine. It's okay. Relatively, we need to make sure we're educating the patient's parents on what's going on. So then they can be most informed on what decisions to be making for their child moving forward. What kind of wheelchair do they want to get them? Um, what kind of school do they want to enroll them in? Like, do they need an aid to help them out? Do they need to start interviewing some aids and stuff like that? What do they need to do? We want the parents to be informed. So two is not an appropriate answer as well. Three, referring the parent back to the pediatrician for further education. Now we could do this as well. This isn't a bad option to tell them to get go back to their pediatrician and um, see what things the child might need later on. But we do have it within our scope of practice to educate patients on their condition and what to expect in the future possibly. So this is within our scope of practice to educate these parents. And remember the most important thing when it comes to treating osteogenesis imperfecta is parent education. So number four stating, provide caregiver education on assistive devices and additional support needs the child may need it in the future to maximize function. Essentially what this answer is saying and how you should interpret this answer is saying that your child is going to need support later on in life this is how I would say it to the parents, be like, your child is going to need help later in life, just being able to get around and uh, live their life to the absolute fullest. And so what they'll, what will allow them to do that will be just additional support needs and in a wheelchair or other assistive devices to help this child be able to function as happily in society as they absolutely want to. Essentially their version of normal is just going to look a little bit different than yours. So that's how you would educate the parents just being like, whoa, 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 we don't need to go into this, like, we don't need to like have an emotional breakdown right now. Here's what your child's going to need in order to be as successful and happy as possible and as involved in their life as possible. So that is why number four is the correct answer, providing caregiver education on assistive devices and additional support needs the child might need in the future to maximize function. And this is just to make sure that the parents are aware, like, oh, my kid can go to school and make friends and stuff like that. They're just going to need a wheelchair. That's really what this answer is saying. Just telling the parents, like being straight up, like, hey, this is stuff that we're going to do probably in the future. Just make sure you're aware. So this is a good question just to make sure you guys are aware of caregiver education and that it is within our scope of practice to make sure patients and their caregivers are fully educated on whatever pathology that they're treating whatever tr uh, plan of care going forward is going to be needed because I'm sure I guarantee the PT and this is going to put like splinting and assisted devices and everything in this because we're going to be treating this child for a long time. They're only two months old. So hope that this was helpful in answering any questions you guys may have about osteogenesis imperfecta and I will see y'all next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of the PTA Elevation Podcast. We look forward to continually serving you as you embark on your journey towards becoming a licensed physical therapist assistant. We thank you for your continued support and we'll see you in the next episode.